Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. All right, will you turn with me to Acts 3, verses 12 to 26, what we just read uh, a little bit ago. And um, last week, we took a break from the book of Acts um, because we had a wonderful service, wasn't it? See, little ones profess their faith in Jesus Christ through baptism, and we got to have communion. Uh, But it was two weeks ago that we were in Acts 3 and looked at the first 11 verses where um, we learned of the lame man who was outside the temple his entire life asking for alms. We learned that he had been healed, that, that the work of Jesus Christ continued by his Holy Spirit through followers of Jesus, in this instance specifically Peter and John, and that man's life was completely transformed. He received a new lease on life here. He could walk. He could work. And he received eternal life through faith in Jesus. And as usual, when a transformation like that happens, other people will take notice. And um, that's what happens in verse 11. Their crowd gathers. And this gives Peter an opportunity to give the gospel to this large crowd who had witnessed this man's life change. And so this morning, you get another two-for-one deal. Uh, You're getting a sermon within a sermon, just like Peter's earlier sermon in chapter 2. As we study this passage that records Peter Peter preaching, Peter preaching the gospel a second time. All right, before we study it, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to show us the truth that you have in your word. Uh, His ministry of illumination to work on everyone who's here. Um, for us who know you as Savior, Lord, for, for him to help us understand the message you have for us here. If there's one here, Lord, that has never trusted you as Savior, I pray your Holy Spirit would illuminate the truth of the gospel and that it'd be so clear and compelling to them. They would do what we see throughout the book of Acts, that they would respond, they would repent and believe, that they would give their life to Christ, even this morning. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the the introduction to Peter's sermon here, it's found in verse 12, and um, he takes notice that this crowd is greatly wondering. That's what verse 11 said. They were greatly wondering at what happened um, at the transformation of this lame man who had been healed. And Peter asked them in verse 12 why they are so amazed. Um, Why are they earnestly looking at Peter and John as though any personal holiness or power in those two individuals was the cause of this lame man's healing and life being transformed? Those are good questions from Peter in verse 12. Because it's not like this crowd had never seen a miracle before. I mean, Jesus has not been gone that long. It was just in chapter 1 that he ascended up into heaven. And in the three years prior to that, I'm sure some of these people here at Jerusalem had witnessed the miracles of Christ. And they were more and much greater than even this one here. So the point is, in this instance, is that this instance is just a continuation of that. 
It's a continuation of the work of Christ. He might be ascended into heaven, but this is the work of Christ continuing by his Holy Spirit that's now living within followers of Christ. And that's what we see throughout the book of Acts. It's what God desires to happen through his church today, you all. The work of Jesus Christ continuing through you, through me, by his Holy Spirit. Now Peter moves into his sermon. That was his introduction, verse 12. And um, we see the gospel's commencement. Where does the gospel start? We've got an example here. When we share the gospel with other people, that what we've sung about, this great hope that we have in Christ, that we can have, just like this man, we can have new life in Christ here and now and an eternal life in Christ and heaven one day forever. We have to start where it starts. <laughs> we have to start sharing the gospel where it starts. And it begins, it commences always with our state. <clears throat> Verses 13 to 15. What's our state as human beings? <laughs> We're in sin. Without Christ, our state is not good. We're sinners, every one of us. We are in need of a Savior because we're sinners who are justly destined by God to an eternity in hell, away from him because of our rebellion against God, because of our sin. Just look at the boldness of Peter here. And it's the second time he, he was this bold in a sermon at Pentecost too. Listen to what he says in verse 13. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus. Now listen to this part. Whom you delivered up and you denied him in the presence of Pilate when, when Pilate was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the prince of life whom God has raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. Now listen, there is no unkindness in tone or content in what Peter says here. But he's sure shooting straight with these people, isn't he? He's calling out the sin that they're guilty of. In verse 13, you delivered Jesus up to death. You denied him. Again, in verse 14. In verse 15, you killed, and understood you is there, but you killed the prince of life. So when Peter commences to share the gospel, he begins by bringing people, those listening, to their sin, to their need for a Savior. He helps them understand their state. He even gets very specific with their sins, what they are guilty of. Listen, that is always where the gospel needs to commence. That was John the Baptist's message, repent, which implies there's something you need to turn from and someone you need to turn to. It was Jesus' message, repent, again, implying that there's something you need to be saved from and that you have a Savior. And there's a chain of verses that, that we use often uh, in the book of Romans when we want to help someone understand the gospel, as we call it, the Romans road. But listen, long before we can ever help somebody understand that they need to call on Jesus as Lord, confess in their, with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, long before we can be used of God to help them understand that being saved means that they have to believe in their heart that Jesus died for their sins and that God has raised him from the dead, like Romans 10, 9 says, we have to start at the beginning. This is Romans 3, 23. And it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us here, this guy included. We have to help them understand Romans 6, 23, that, that that sin, the wages, what we have earned by our sin is death. That's where the gospel needs to commence. So, so Peter begins his gospel message here by bringing this crowd to understand their sinful state. Boy, we need preachers to do that today. 
We need Christians to do that because please don't let mission work, the Great Commission, be my responsibility alone. This is for every follower of Jesus Christ. We have to speak plainly. We have to begin the gospel where God begins the gospel. We need preachers today. Uh, we don't need any more your best life now sermons. We don't. We do not need any more let go and let God do your best. God will do the rest motivational speeches or TED Talks. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the only thing that will transform lives. The only thing that will completely take someone from a life um, going away from God and give them new life now and eternal life in heaven one day with Christ. That's where Peter begins. Now, praise the Lord. That's just the beginning of the gospel, our, our sinful state, but it has to begin there. And verses 16 and 18 take us to the next key component of the gospel. That's our substitute. Our substitute is Jesus Christ. That's the whole focus of Peter's message. It was at Pentecost. It is now at this one. Jesus is the focus in verses 16 to 18. It is God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. That's the cause of this formerly lame man now being strong. That's how he's defined here, as strong. There's a couple of hymns, pronouns, uh, in verse 16. And so we need to identify who's being talked about here. It says, and his name, talking about Jesus, so you could capitalize that one. And his name, through faith in his name, again, talking about Jesus. That's what has made this man strong, whom you see and know, you're witnessing it. Yea, the faith which is by him, by Jesus, hath given him, this lame man whose life is now transformed, perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Man, there's such a wonderful description of the transformation that this man experienced, but also of what it's like when someone comes to know Jesus as their Savior. Perfect soundness. Because this guy receives so much more than just a new leaf, lease on life here. Like he could walk and he could work and no longer had to sit begging for alms. He experienced, he received eternal life. His whole body, soul, and spirit. Perfect soundness. That's what happens when you come to Jesus. I've seen it. There's people here right now that have such a clear testimony of this. Perfect soundness. Their whole body, their soul, their spirit be completely transformed because they've turned to Jesus Christ. And that's the answer to this crowd's greatly wondering. They want to know, like, how did this happen? It is by faith in the name of Jesus that this man's life was transformed. And since the beginning of his sermon here, Peter has been making references to our substitute, Jesus Christ. While we deserved an eternity in hell separated from God, Forever, because of our sin and our rebellion, God sent Jesus as our substitute to take our penalty in our place on the cross. He was God's promised Messiah, the suffering servant Savior. That's what Messiah means, Christ, Jesus Christ. That's not his last name. It means Messiah. The one God had promised throughout the Old Testament. Peter's referred to Jesus as our substitute here as God's son, verse 13. The holy one and the just, in verse 14. The prince of life whom God has raised from the dead, in verse 15. All of these were, were descriptions that Peter chose intentionally because it would have helped that Jewish crowd there who knew all these prophecies, these phrases that applied to the Messiah. He's connecting them to Jesus Christ, fulfilling them. So listen, it is impossible to communicate the gospel without helping someone recognize our sinful state. But don't stop there. Because <laughs> there's no hope in the shared gospel without pointing them to Jesus Christ, God's promised Messiah who is our substitute. He bore God's wrath for our sins in our place. 
In verses 17 to 18, Peter tells his ethnic brethren here that they did what they did in ignorance and still sin, still inexcusable before a holy God. But then he also tells us in verse 18 that, that it was God who had planned this all along, just like he did in his first sermon. It says, but those things, verse 18, which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. This was just part of God's plan to save us from our sinful state by our substitute, Jesus Christ. I am so glad for, for that midway point in the Romans road. Yes, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And I like the second part of that verse. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. But listen to Romans 5, 8, that midway point. God commendeth. God showed his love for us who were in a sinful state. In that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us as our substitute. I'm so thankful for that verse. Jesus Christ died for us, for our substitute, to save us from our sinful state. When, when you share the gospel with someone who is lost, please commence, begin, like Peter does here, like we find throughout the New Testament, lovingly. Lovingly help others realize their need for a Savior in their sinful state, but point them to their substitute, Jesus Christ. That's where hope begins. That's where hope is found. Now look at the gospel's constraint, verses 19 through 21. And there's a constraint for those who are apart from Christ, who haven't received Jesus as their Savior. What's the gospel's next component? It's a call to faith, to forsake all I trust him. It's an invitation to repent and believe. Isn't that what verse 19 says? Repent and be converted. Repent. Metanoeo. To change one's mind or purpose. It's a change of heart that always results in a change of direction. And be converted. Epistrepho really just means repent. <laughs> to turn back or to turn towards. And God's using Peter here to describe what saving faith is. How do we know that we're saved? Well, have we repented? Turning from sin. Turning from any self Attempts, futile, <laughs> totally futile, to save ourselves and, and turning only to the grace of God to us in Jesus Christ. And, and look at what happens when we do. Look at what the grace of God does when we do. In the next phrase, that your sins may be blotted out. Well, that's just what we need, isn't it? Because of our sinful state. We, we need our sin addressed, our sinful state addressed, our, our, our sinful record. We need it completely blotted out, wiped away. This had to be so powerful uh, for them because in, in that day and in that culture, ink did not have the acid content it has now. So like literally if you wrote on paper, papyrus, or, or leather, you could wipe it away with a cloth and a little water. They totally understood what meant here. I guess for us it would be like a dry erase board, right? Completely wiped away, blotted out. That is the prom What a hopeful promise for whosoever will repent and believe. For, for any person who would turn from their sins in faith and forsake all to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. But, but read on in verse 19 to 21. It says, When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which was before preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. Well, let's pause there. What is Peter talking about here? Ultimately, he's referring to a time constraint. That's the constraint for those apart from Christ and those who are a part of Christ. There's a time constraint. There's an urgency to respond to the gospel message. Now, there are some who 
argue or present that God is having Peter present a, a second opportunity to the nation of Israel as a whole to welcome, to receive Jesus as their Messiah. Um, if, and if they would, he would return. Jesus would return. I mean, no, he's just gone up two chapters ago, but he, he would return right then and there and set up his millennial kingdom just, just like Jesus offered when he first came in his first advent. I don't know, maybe, but I don't, honestly, I don't know how much benefit there is for us here this morning and spending a whole lot of time on theological ifs. The, the bottom line is that they didn't receive him when Jesus first came. They crucified him. <laughs> That's the message here. And, and he rose again. And, and the the other thing is they rejected the gospel message of the apostles. I know 3,000 got saved at Pentecost, and, and some got saved here, but the majority of Jewish people rejected this message, and they even do today. Now, that will happen, though. God's word promises it. Um, God's people, Israel, will receive Jesus as their Messiah. It's promised in the Old Testament prophecies. It's promised in Revelation. Uh, when Christ returns, there is going to be a revival among God's uh, uh, national or ethnic people, Israel. And they will turn in faith to Jesus Christ right before um, he comes and sets up his millennial kingdom. But don't lose sight of the main point here. Here's the, the main point. There is a time constraint. That there's an urgency in responding to the gospel because Christ's return is imminent. It could happen before any of us leave out those doors could happen this morning and we don't know when the time constraint of our own life will come into play there's not a single person here who's promised the next minute let alone tomorrow now god knows when our time on earth will end david says in psalm 139 and in your book they all were written the days that were fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them before i was born you knew and God tells us in Job 14, 5, that a person's days are determined. That you, God, you have decreed the number of his months and have set limits that he cannot exceed. Now, I have some people tell me that that's fatalism. Well, for one, it's Bible truth. It's, it's pretty clear right there. But, but secondly, um, it's a source of great peace for me. It's a source of trust in the sovereignty of my good and gracious God. It's a source of great courage for me to do whatever God asks me to if you know Christ as your Savior. But, but for those who are apart from Christ, it's just an emphasis on God's gospel call through Peter here in Acts 3, 19 to 21. We don't know when Christ will return. And we don't know when our time on earth will end. So, so moving from simply recognizing our sinful state to recognizing that Jesus is our substitute, moving from that to actually receiving him as Savior as we're told to do here, by repenting and being converted, repenting and believing. That's urgent. So urgent. It also means there's a gospel constraint for us, for those who are a part of Christ. Tell, tell me, Jesus follower, you, you who have done this, you've received Christ as Savior. Are you moved to, to be on mission, sharing the gospel? Not just singing about it once a week, but sharing it making disciples, doing what God has commanded us to do till he returns. Are you moved to do that because there is this time constraint and this urgency for those who don't know him as their Savior yet? But please tell me that, that just because you know where you are going, that you're not unconcerned for those who are apart from Christ and who right now are destined for an eternity in hell away from him and without any kind of hope of that ever changing. Charles Spurgeon said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. 
If they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to change. If hell must be filled, let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions. Don't let anyone go there unwarned or unprayed for. And Christian, can we do less? I mean, we who have experienced God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. Spurgeon also said this. Every Christian has one of two things. They're either a missionary or an imposter. Which one would describe us? I mean, if we really believe what we say we believe, what this God says in his word, I mean, how bad do we have to hate to hate someone not to tell them about the hope that's found in Jesus Christ? I mean, I know it's uncomfortable, especially in this culture of, of tolerance. Tolerance is not love. It's not. We have to help people understand their sinful state lovingly, their need for a Savior. Because, look, there's eternal, eternal ramifications for the person if we do or if we don't. And there's a time constraint on the gospel. We best be busy. I, I would not want to hear the doctor ever tell me I have cancer. I wouldn't want to hear that. And I'm, I'm sure it's not their favorite thing to do either. But I know this. Following the diagnosis, there'd be a plan. <laughs> there'd be some hope. I would be pointed to a plan. It would be so much better to hear than not to hear. And because there is this time constraint to the gospel for those who are apart from Christ, Bethlehem First Baptist Church, there, there is a time constraint for us communicating it to them who are a part of Christ. Now let's look at the gospel's command, verses 22 to 26. There's a requirement of repentance. And God has Peter hit on this already in verse 19, but we find it again in these last five verses. Beginning in verse 22, all the way through verse 25, Peter connects this predominantly ethnically Jewish crowd with the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah who God would send. And he shows them how they were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 22, for example. Uh, it says that way back in Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 19, God promised through the prophet Moses that another prophet, you could capitalize the P there because it's talking about Jesus Christ, another prophet would arise from among their people and they should listen and they should do whatever he says. And he says from Samuel, the next prophet in line after Moses, all the way to Malachi, you can go to the last book in the Old Testament. All, all of these prophets that God gave his people, they were pointing them to Jesus Christ. They were promising the hope of, of a coming Savior. And those who were alive at Christ's first coming, they should have made this connection. They should have seen those Old Testament prophecies as being fulfilled in Christ. That's the message of verses 24 to 25. But they didn't. And now they're being given a, a second chance to receive him as their Savior and Messiah. They're having another opportunity to repent and be converted, to turn from sin and turn to Jesus Christ and receive him as Savior. In verse 26, Peter says this, Unto you first, talking to these Jewish people, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. The gospel was first given to the Jewish people at Pentecost, chapter 2. And it's given here again now. Another opportunity to repent. Is our God amazingly gracious? The God of second chances? He's a God of two millionth chances for all of us who are here, if we're honest. But there's still a time constraint. Uh, I've said it before to you all. You look through God's word from Genesis to Revelation, and this is the promise he holds out to every single one of us. Free and full forgiveness. <laughs> That's the promise of Christ's blood for any who would repent and believe. 
but not once has he promised anyone tomorrow or another opportunity for procrastination. What happens if we won't listen to the gospel, to the message of Jesus? What then? Verse 23, and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Why not? Why wouldn't you do this? Look at results when, look at what results when we will. What, what happens? Why wouldn't we repent? There's rewards for repentance. We've already talked about one. Verse 19, sins blotted out. That's crazy. We sung about it here this morning over and over again. Christ's perfect record of righteousness is imputed to me when I trust Christ as Savior. I, I, I am given his record. So when God looks at me, he sees the perfect record of Jesus Christ, never sinning. That's crazy. But that's what God offers to us in Jesus. That's the gospel. Um, because he took my record and your record of sin on the cross. Sins blotted out. That's what David says in the Psalms. As far as the east is from the west, you separated our sin from us. I love the concept of justification. People ask me all the time. There's a sticker on the back of my Jeep, and they're like, what is that? Is that some elf language from the Hobbit or something? I'm like, no. It's, it's the Greek word for justified, though, because I want to see it all the time. Because it's redeeming love. Just as if I never sinned. That's how God sees me in Jesus. Just as if I never will. There's no more beautiful gift of God's grace than that. Sin's blotted out. Then times of refreshing, times of restitution. That's a reward for repentance. I mean, there's a refreshing peace that passes all understanding that comes to the believer the instant they trust Christ as Savior when the Holy Spirit indwells them. Uh, it's unlike anything the world has to offer. That's why Christians can go through the craziest things that other people experience, but they can go through them because they have these refreshing and restitution from the Lord. But, but there's a full and final one that, that's ahead for us. In our eternal then and there. That's a reward for repentance. But can I give you just one more because God gives it to us here? Um, we're not living in the then and there. Right now we're living in the here and now. You're here this morning. That's ahead for you. But I think it's my favorite because we are living in the here and now. Verse 26. Look at the very end of it. Turning away every one of you from his iniquities. See, see those first two rewards are sins being blotted out and, and having a place reserved for us in those times of refreshing, those times of restitution that are ahead when Jesus Christ returns. Those are rewards that have to do with you and I being saved from the penalty of sin. We're no longer destined for hell and an eternity apart from Christ. We actually have a place reserved just for us in heaven when Christ returns, when he calls us home. Those are awesome, awesome rewards for those who will repent and believe. And deliver us from the penalty of sin. But this last one, right here in this last verse, in verse 26, in this last phrase of, of Peter's sermon, this last one is the reward of being delivered from the power of sin. Verse 19 is about our sins being blotted or, or wiped out, but verse 26 is a reward for those who repent that, that the power of sin in our life has been wiped out. Will we still sin? Do Christians still sin? We do. But we no longer have to. We don't have to. In Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit coming to indwell us. The Spirit of Christ living within us. The, the Word of God being alive to us. and We don't have to. We have a restored ability to say no to sin. And, and to say yes to obeying Jesus. I, we did not have that before we came to Christ as Savior. We didn't. 
God promises this reward in verse 26, freedom from the power of sin. He promises anyone who will repent and believe and receive Jesus as their Savior that his Holy Spirit will use his word in turning us away, every one of you, from your iniquities. Man, let me tell you, I can't wait for heaven, but mostly because there won't be a lick of sin there. All those other things, like no pain, no death, no sorrow, they all stem from that. There will be no sin there. There won't be any in me. There won't be any in any, anyone. But for those who have repented and turned to Christ for salvation, Jesus promises to begin that even now, to begin that separation. When, when you come to Christ, when you trust Jesus as Savior, you become a new creation, God's word tells us. You're new. <laughs> like we say, come awake. Be resurrected just as Christ was. New life now, eternal life. In heaven. You're new. You have new affections, like things you never thought you'd really like, you begin to love. I come in here for two hours every Sunday. And things that you used to love, you no longer have a taste for, find them repulsive. Even things that were like strongholds in your life. You wondered, ah, there's no way I'm ever going to be a different person. No, the blood of Jesus Christ is that powerful. It does that. The Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ living in you is that powerful. It turns every one of you away from his iniquities. Sometimes it's slower process than we want. It might be three steps forward, two steps back, but that's what it does. And it's available to all those who obey the, the gospel command in faith to turn from sin and turn to Jesus Christ. It, have you done that? Has there been a time in your life you can look back and say, yeah, I heard this and I said, I need that. It went from like just being, yeah, that's all true to being that I need that. I want that. Have you turned from sin and self to Christ? And you heard about your sinful state today. It's where the gospel has to start, but you heard about your substitute. And you heard about a gospel time constraint, that, that, that there may not be another invitation than this one. God doesn't owe you that. He's given it to you this morning to repent and believe. Don't, don't wait. If you've never done that, do it right now as I'm talking. But Christian, you have, we're under a, a gospel time constraint too. If you have not been living with, with an urgency, in sharing the gospel and making disciples right now, this morning, confess that as sin to God and say, God, give me a burden. Help me to see every living person I, I meet. They're going to spend an eternity somewhere. You, use me to point them to the life that's found in Jesus Christ. We sang a song earlier, and in the first service, I had to stop because I was like, Am I, is this true of me? And there is a following. It says, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. And we sang it over and over, and I just sit there, and I was like, is it? I mean, is it my theme? What's a theme? Some song or some statement at the beginning of a book or a paper. Or Basically, it's what this is all about. Redeeming love has been my theme. Is that what I'm all about? <laughs> Sharing this redemption that's through Jesus Christ? Is that what I'm all about? Can I truly sing that? And if that's not the case, make that true of you. Don't leave here without a commitment saying, you know what? I'm going to be a missionary. I don't want to be any part of being a, an imposter. I love people enough to share, lovingly share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And, and then, Christian, don't ever stop repenting, not for salvation, but for sanctification. Ask God to convict you of anything in your life that needs to be changed this morning and say, conform me to the image of Jesus. I, I want this to be true. I, I want new affections. I want new aversions. Be, begin or continue this process of turning me away from my iniquities, my sins. Repentance is required in coming to faith in Christ, but it's required in continuing in faith. And the rewards 
they're so worth it. As Tommy comes and leads us in a time uh, to do business with God and, and respond to his word, however the Holy Spirit's used his word to call you to respond today, I just ask that you'd obey.